So, Harry. Yes? If you were to take a job working for a celebrity. Okay. What celebrity would you want to work for? Mm. And what job would you want to do for that celebrity? Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to pick my favorite celebrity of the moment, which has got to be RuPaul Charles. Okay, sure. But the job that I would do for them, I've got to say, I have no idea. What would you do for Ru? I think anything, because there's going to be some great stories from that. Sure. <laughs> I, reckon that, I reckon that RuPaul is a nightmare to work for. Oh, I'm sure. Absolute very nightmare. Very high maintenance. But I'm sure it's really entertaining. I mean, would you want to be his Michelle Visage? Like his... <laughs> what, sidekick? Which is, is side, or are you, or are you more like behind the scenes? Are you more like fetching and carrying, you know? I just want to be a fly on the wall with everything. Sure, okay. So you're going to be his, his panicky PA. You're going to be fetching him yeah, room, yeah. room temperature yeah. water and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. I can see that for you, yeah. Yeah. Great, well, we've all got aspirations. Well, you know, actually, you're a very good sound engineer on this podcast, so maybe your job with RuPaul will be to, like, his auto-tune manager. You know? <laughs> it's a high-paid job. Yeah, indeed, yeah, there's a lot of work in that. So. <laughs> yeah, I could see myself doing that. Yeah. I like it. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to The Bodyguard. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they have posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most picturesque holiday home. You have a holiday home? Well, my parents' house, just like he had his parents' house. Oh, I guess, sure. I mean, that's just where you grew up. It's not like it's a holiday chalet. It's a ho- it, it is now, though. I mean, I guess that Basically. is how we all treat it. So, I mean, fair. Yeah, it's lovely. I can't it, complain. Yeah. It's the closest thing to a chalet you get in mid-Wales. That's a, this is true. It's, it's a barn. It is India. Yeah. <laughs> Literally a, classic, a barn. It's a classic Welsh barn. Yeah. Anyway, joining me as always, the host with the most chance of needing a very middlingly hot bodyguard is John Lucas. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I'm just I'm I'm reaching that level of fame. I feel where like my life is in constant danger. So uh, this this podcast really elevated me to to the A list, the celebrity yeah. A list. So uh, and you feel like you need a you need, you need a bodyguard. I definitely need a not Kevin quite Costner. a sort of like a Jared Butler or Dwayne Rock Johnson bodyguard, but more of a Kevin Costner. Yeah, I a little bit it. tubby. Is Kevin Costner tubby in this movie? Or are you auditioning yourself? What, what, what's what's <laughs> happening here? Like, <laughs> no, he's, he's 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 not heavily toned, is he? For like an action hero can't say i noticed really my point is he just looks like a normal guy he looks like a normal guy i mean we'll get to whether or not he's a suitable bodyguard but yeah, yeah sure like i wouldn't call him tubby though wow like, yeah whatever uh anyway so the bodyguard this is the the last i guess unless you've uh, got a little secret patreon one for there's us a, there's, a, there's a patreon coming next week so. ah great okay so this is the penultimate uh film in our current season of movies starring musicians indeed yes the musician in question this week is whitney houston whitney houston yes so straight off the bat i will always love you is right at the very very end of this movie i was waiting for the whole thing for mm-hmm. this song to come in I was, and it, it, it just almost never did no it's not really part of this film no I mean, it's not and also it's not one of the two oscar nominated songs that came out of this <laughs> film which really baffled me <laughs> What do you mean in real life of songs that were Oscar nominated? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's because it's not an original song. Okay. But 
I just thought of that as like the iconic thing from this film. Well, it was the big hits. It was number one for like 10 weeks. Great. But uh, I mean, yeah, sure, it's not original, but I don't know. It just... Well, that's what you get nominated for an Oscar, but it's for the yeah, writing. Yeah, 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 I know. Shut up. Stop proving <laughs> me wrong. Um, I didn't like the music in this. Well, I, I didn't like, no, let me rephrase that. I didn't like what they did with the music in this. How do you mean? Because I was expecting more. Mm. And I have watched this before, but a long time ago, I don't remember much of it. Sure. I was expecting like all the musical bits to be actual scenes of music where like here's her performing a five minute song yeah. or like at least once mm. like she stands on stage and sings a song for like a solid five minutes where nothing happens over the top of it mm. and it doesn't cut out like halfway through and it, they never quite got there. I feel there like... were multiple moments where they built up to it and there is a bit where she gets on stage and sings. Oh yeah. Other stuff going on mm-hmm. and that's not the center of the scene. And I don't know, I really didn't feel like Whitney quite got the the opportunity to show off what she's got. No, I think Whitney's character's career in this movie, because yeah. Whitney Houston plays Rachel Morrow or something. Rachel Marin, Rachel Marin. Yeah. Terrible name for a pop star. Really? It's is. so boring. I hate like, the names in this. It's it's so not yeah, it's so lazy. Like Whitney Houston, I'm convinced. Yeah. You hear those names? Yeah, that sounds like a pop star. Just call, Whit- her, call her Whitney Houston. Just call her, let's just call her spade a spade. It, it, yeah. it, it worked for Will Smith in Fresh Prince. Exactly. Let's just say that's it. Yeah. But yeah. Rachel Marin, she just <laughs> sounds like an accountant or a HR mm-hmm. director or something. Anyway. And his surname was Farmer. Everyone just calls him Farmer. I'm like, what? Because he's from the country or whatever? Yeah. No, it's his no, surname. His name is Frank Farmer. But all the names are incredibly lazy. It's like yeah. the first pass of the draft kind of names. Yeah. But for Whitney in particular, I feel like the career of her character in this movie is drawn in very vague terms. Yeah. She's been Oscar nominated for a film that we learn nothing about. It's called yeah. I Have Nothing, apparently. We never see... <laughs> <laughs> is that, I thought it was called Queen of the Night. Oh, is the film called... Maybe. I don't know. It's, it was named after one of the songs. The two songs right. that she sings in this movie <laughs> that, that aren't I Will Always Love You. Because that's... Yeah, because basically she's an Oscar nominated actress who starred in this film that she's also sung the theme tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> wrote the theme tune, <laughs> sang the theme tune... Sat and listens to the theme tune by the pool with headphones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but we... we okay, I'll be fair. There are three songs that aren't mm. I Will Always Love You, but those three songs are played over and over and over again, particularly mm-hmm. I Have Nothing, which is yeah. just the one that's just played constantly. Yeah. And then there's also Run To You and Queen Of The Nights. Mm-hmm. So it feels like her character is like a singer who's had like maybe a couple of hits. Mm-hmm. Not that many. No. She's only got a couple, but she's superbly wealthy. But Yeah. Yeah. I don't even mean the music was a little disappointing. I mean, considering this film has the best-selling soundtrack of all time literally does it it is the hi- highest selling film soundtrack of all time that's why i expected more yeah because because you know you know what that doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. because it's a it's a potentially great soundtrack mm-hmm. but the soundtrack's not in the film enough True, they, they don't make a big enough thing of it mm-hmm. well the soundtrack is like five whitney songs and a bunch of filler basically right okay yeah um, and yeah you, you definitely hear the whitney songs yeah and um, yeah but you're right, there's never a moment, it's it's not like a musical, I mean, it's not a musical, mm. but it's not like a dream girl scenario where Whitney gets to perform mm-hmm. at any point as the star. She's just kind of, that, that kind of happens off, off stage, off screen. Yeah. The, the sense it's of so why dis- she's a star. It's so disappointing. It is, because like, that's what you want to see. She's yeah. got the voice of a generation, show her off. Like I was convinced that she was going to sing I Will Always Love You at the Oscars mm-hmm. at the end of this film. Well, what was that? I mean, we'll talk about how ridiculous <laughs> that Oscar ceremony was, but what, what Oscar ceremony has someone who looks exactly the same as the person who, is the, who sang yeah. the song just singing the song while the original person sat backstage doing nothing? Yeah. What was that? I, I don't know. I, like, 
it writes itself. Just get her up on stage. It's the end of the film. Like, everybody knows this is building towards the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of if you know what the climax of the film is, but, you know, it's the, it's the Oscars. It's the biggest ceremony there is. It's the end of the film. Get her on stage to sing the song of the film. Even if it's not I Will Always Love You, even if it's mm-hmm. I Have Nothing or whatever it is. Yeah. You're like, do that again. Mm-hmm. But, like, just put her up on stage. Just have her sing for like three minutes. That's all it needs to be. Yeah, three minutes. Show a scene where she does, this, does a concert. This film, this film is 130 minutes long. Mm. This film is a waste of Whitney. <laughs> oh, God. It's a yeah. waste of Whitney. Yeah. But I had never seen this film before, actually. Okay. Although I don't know how I've managed to avoid it all these years, but I just never have. But in my mind, because it's a very famous film, and I feel like even if you've not seen it, you kind of, everyone's like aware of it, right? Yeah. I think until I watched it this week, I assumed that it ended with Kevin Costner dying. Right, right. And I think maybe because of the video for I Always Love You, which kind of see, made it seem like Whitney was singing at his funeral. Mm-hmm. I always assumed that, he, okay, he dies and the end of the film is her belting out that song at his funeral. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. No. He lives. He lives. <laughs> Do you think there was an alternate end? I don't know. I think it would have been more rewarding in many ways. Yeah. He lives and she sings like two lines of the song and it's like, boom, film's over. Yeah. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And they go their separate ways for no reason, but uh, we'll... We'll get to the story. Yeah. Why did you choose this film? Because <laughs> I remembered it being better than it was. Okay, Okay, fine. this film was terrible. It was, oh. <laughs> it was a mess. I mean, it, it was a huge, huge hit. Terrible is a strong, a strong word, yeah. but it was long, it was boring, and it was disappointing. I think the length is the big problem. I feel like we, we say this a lot, but there were parts of this film that I was genuinely entertained by. Not that I think it's a yeah. good film, but like that were trashily entertaining. Mm-hmm. But it cannot sustain two and a half hours no it just there's not enough there for two and a half hours no there really isn't mm-hmm. um and it's a big shame because it could have been a really good film and hey like it's stood the test of time in some way like oh, yeah, it's, it's very it's, popular it's yeah. yeah it's popular there's as well regarded. yeah yeah but this wasn't it what did me. you think of the acting in this film uh it was all right nothing to write home about no i I've realized that I just don't think I get Kevin Costner. No, me neither. He's, He's got so no charisma at boring. all. Yeah. yeah. It was funny in Waterworld because the film was so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, fil- yeah, I know. What a great film. <laughs> but because that film was so ludicrous, I think the fact that he was, he's like so self-serious and... Yeah. And boring. And, and, like, boring. And, and like normal, it, it works in the adds, it, ma- yeah, it adds it make, to the silliness. It yeah. makes it more ridiculous. Yeah. Because he's not they, hamming it up. He's yeah. acting like he's in a serious film. But in this, I was just like, you have no charisma. Mm. Like, And it needs it. The film desperately it, needs yeah. him to have charisma and them to have chemistry. Yeah. It needs for him to have charisma and for Whitney Houston to have acting talent. Yeah. Like, basically. <laughs> like, she's not that bad. That, that was No, cool. she's not. She's she's not Cher. Mm-hmm. She's, as an actress, she's not... She's not sure, yeah. but she's fine. She acquits herself. She's perfectly acceptable. She's she's Beyonce in Dreamgirls. I'd say she might be a step above that, but maybe a touch. Like I think she's better than Kevin Costner, and he's like a professional actor. <laughs> Is <laughs> he know. an Oscar winner? I think nominate. I don't know if he won. Maybe as an arrow, like but Dancers with Wolves or something. Possibly. Probably, maybe. I don't know. I know that film won like nine. I know, it was. He probably is. Yeah, but yeah. I, I've not seen that film. But. Yeah, like at least she, when Whitney's on the screen, mm. her, her line, she's a bit wooden in her acting. Mm-hmm. Like she's not terrible, embarrassing, but there's definitely scenes when like she's not quite giving you what a mm-hmm. serious actress would give you. But you can always be like, you can tell that she's very much a star. She's mm-hmm. very charismatic and she's very beautiful. And, yeah. You know, she's she's in, interesting to watch. Kevin Costner, like he's just boring. He really is. He's just like, you watch him and you're just like, yes, you've, you're not like massacring the lines, but you're so dull mm-hmm. with your 
office worker haircut and you mm-hmm. he just never looks like he's having any fun no he's no fun to be around as an actor like he's no fun to watch you're not rooting for these crazy kids to get together mm-hmm. he just seems grumpy yep and the chemistry just doesn't exist yeah at no point did i think oh i really hope these two get it together in the end <laughs> oh i'm re- I'm, oh, I'm really titillated by this romance i really can't wait to see these two get it down she's and... doing her half she's doing her best yeah like, i agree I like she, you can see that she clearly fancies him mm, character wise yeah. Sure. And yeah, she's going along with it. And it's, I, I, I bought it from her, from her end, but not his at all. Well, I didn't buy why someone like her would be attracted to someone like him, but yes. Oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely. But I understand what you mean. I, I, I think she was more believable as like, at least the character was giving you some indication that she was attracted to him. Whereas his yeah. character is just like tolerating her for the whole movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Farmer, I have this problem. This minor little problem, you see. I like to go out for an evening, you know, with a guy, mm-hmm. you know, like a date. But I can't go out on a date because you have to be with me every minute. I mean, what if he wants to invite me up to his place afterwards? Are you going to come too? <sighs> so, the only thing I can figure for you to take me out um right plot summary then try sure go for it so this is a this is a long film to so this very Just start of it highlights yeah. very long time ago mm. so kevin costner is a bodyguard he is yes he frank he, farmer he yes he used to be a bodyguard for the president ronald reagan yes ronald reagan ronald reagan got shot mm-hmm. but not on his watch yeah, this was such a dumb, like, unnecessary side plot. Why yeah. not just... Because why bring in real life? Because <laughs> then, really. then I started thinking, because Ronald Reagan did get shot. That is a thing that happened in the real world. Like, yeah. He was genuinely shot. So what, having that brought into the plot made me think about, like, oh, so what was Kevin Costner's, like, whole relationship to that scenario? Mm. It seems like he just took a day off because his mum died. Yeah. And then it, you're supposed to think, oh, he's, he's feels so guilty that he took that day off. His mum died. Yeah. It was the day of his mum's funeral, they said. If there was ever a justification for having a day off... Mm-hmm. He has no reason to feel like racked with guilt whatsoever. No. Why not just say ex fake celebrity, you know, whatever. Like he's, he's acting, Joe Bloggs he, died yeah. on, my, on my watch and I've never recovered, you know? Yeah. Just make something up. Why bring it into the real world? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, because like he's, he's making out like it's it's ruined his career, mm-hmm. but it, also, it very much doesn't seem to have. No, he's fine. So that's his backstory. Such as it is, yeah. Um, Whitney Houston, we don't actually see Whitney for a good 15, 20 minutes. No, it's very much his story. Yeah. But we do see, uh, while she's performing on stage at some point, uh, somebody puts a doll of her, I think, in her dressing room, mm-hmm. and then that doll explodes. Was it not a bouquet of flowers? Oh, I don't know. What, Something. Maybe a what doll I, and a bouquet. But yeah. yes, someone tries to kill her, essentially, yeah. is what we need to um, take from this. Yeah, so that that happened. Not sure if she was aware of that. That became unclear. <laughs> this film is very confusing at times. It is. It, it's sloppily plotted. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if she was aware of that, but either way, Kevin Costner gets hired by her head of security. Sure, I guess mm-hmm. he show, he shows up at her house, which it, which has the worst security, which he proves in multiple different ways. He just strolls into her. Mat. It's not a house. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> it's a palatial mansion. Like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Which is also doubles up as her rehearsal studio and personal restaurants, mm-hmm. and it seems like there's a room for everything in this house. Like, yep. Who rehearses at home? Like in a full concert hall. I, yeah. Like Kevin Costner walks I mean, if in. You've and got a, a concert hall, you may as well use it. Well, sure, yeah. And clearly she has. Mm. But yeah, it's like everything is just located in her mansion. Yeah. 
I wouldn't want that many people in my house at once. No. No I, matter how would, big the house. That would stress me. I wouldn't want a house that big. It's too yeah. stressful. Yeah. That's why we're, why we're not pop stars, I think, Harry. Just because we don't want to be. Yeah, we've, we've made that decision for ourselves. Yeah. 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 I want that pull, though. We've made the healthy choice. I yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> I want that pull, though. I'm sure you do, yeah. So, yeah, uh, he comes in. He gets a little uh, talking to from the chief of security, talking about all the things and what's going on. Uh, he gets a brief tour of the house, I think. Mm-hmm where he basically just clocks all the insecurities of the house, which is pretty much everything. Yeah. They take him to her fake bedroom. Mm-hmm. She has a fake bedroom. She has a fake bedroom that's not her real bedroom. The bedroom yeah. looks like the uh, the Great Hall from Hogwarts. Yes, it's like it's <laughs> it is it is like it's a it's a palace. It's a palace. That's yeah. All there is to it, yeah. Um but it was just it's made a golden for a, bed. But it was just made for a magazine shoot. Yeah. Um and they say that like, yeah, somebody was in here, they masturbated on her bed. Like yeah. <laughs> I appreciated the moments when this film got weirdly dark for, yeah. very, for such a very commercial film. The it has adult elements that I thought were quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so like they know she's got a stalker, she has yeah. threats made against her life. This guy has also uh, written loads of letters with newspaper cuttings. Yeah, your classic stalker cut up the letters from the tabloid paper. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they've called in extra security, just Kevin Costner for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So I guess his crew isn't Cause ruined because this, cause this one man can totally cover this entire palatial mansion. Yeah, yeah, I guess. After meeting Whitney, well, he's he's told that like she can't know any of this. Yeah, because you know she needs to be in the zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's got this very protective, uh, very overbearing. British manager, yeah, called um, Sai, mm-hmm. played by Gary Kemp, yep. who, uh, yeah, who, who doesn't want to tell her anything because he just wants to keep her focused on the, the job at hand, which is to sing. Yeah, yeah. who I very much thought was going to be the bad guy. Well, here's the thing: somehow, even though I've never seen this film before, somehow I feel like by like cultural osmosis, I just knew it was the sister. Yeah, but then I was watching this and I was like. Did I already know it was the sister? Did somebody like tell me or did I read somewhere that it was the sister? Or is it just really obvious that it's the sister? <laughs> as soon as it becomes obvious, it's extremely obvious. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, if not, why are you here? Why is this character here? Yeah, like she gets introduced at the start and, and she says, well, I think she's just like the secretary or something. Yeah, she's like Whitney's sister and personal assistant. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a comment that she makes where she's like, yeah, she was always the better singer or something like that. Mm. And that's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> well, I mean, her her stank face is yeah. what my drinking is. Her <laughs> like, I'm going to fuck you with Whitney face. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So she's introduced as, as a potential suspect, as is. Yeah, th- this is the thing. The, the early part of the film it introduces all these characters as basically red herrings as mm-hmm. suspects. So you've got, you've got the sister who, spoiler alert, is actually involved yeah you've got Sai, the overbearing agent who it seems is not mm-hmm. you've got her previous bodyguard who i'm just going to call luigi sure yeah <laughs> you know who i mean yeah big fat italian guy yep. yeah yep. um and you've got uh i guess I, mean, I don't think he's really a suspect but the the black chauffeur maybe yeah he's not really a suspect. i'm just thinking characters who float around at this part of the film yeah sure, yeah yeah but. so yeah then uh well he meets whitney Oh, yeah. Uh, he, when he's introduced to her, and she's well, this maybe this did maybe you didn't find this funny because apparently you think Kevin Costner's a big fatty, but uh, <laughs> when he says when she says you don't look much like a bodyguard to me, mm-hmm. I was like this guy could not look more like a bodyguard. Like, he's so Kevin Costner, he just because he just looks like bland and boring, and it's like what a bodyguard <laughs> looks like. They're supposed to be bland. Like he looks aren't like he's in bit, decent aren't, shape. Aren't, aren't bodyguards supposed to be a bit more sort of hulking and like dangerous looking, so people stay away from them. Maybe, but I, feel, I don't know. I feel like bodyguards are generally like security guards. They're just like quiet people who linger in the background. Mm. 
I don't know. I thought Kevin Costner looked very much like a bodyguard. Sure. But maybe okay, clearly you and Whitney felt differently. So fine. <laughs> um, I think that me and Whitney saw his proportions in opposite d- directions. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I guess I saw him as a little bit, a little bit chubby than he was. And she was like, oh my God, look at all those muscles. I'm so turned on. Fine, fine, fine. Because that was basically her character for the first half of the film. Oh yeah, once she realizes that she fancies him, that's, yeah. that's basically her character done. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's a shame. Yeah. So the first gig that they have, uh, she goes to this random club somewhere that looks kind of cool as a club. Mm-hmm. Clearly a gay nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is not on board with this. Like he's he's not had a chance to check it out. So he's he's like, well, I, I, we shouldn't do this. We should stay at home. Yeah. Well, um, he's trying to restrict her re- everyday life. He doesn't want her doing all the things that she normally does, and he doesn't want her mm. putting herself in any position yeah. of vulnerability. So, and she really resents that. So she doesn't like the fact that he's trying to tell her. Like, well, she also resents it because she doesn't know the extent of what danger she's yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. She's like, like she doesn't know that there are multiple threats made about her life yeah. on on the paper. There was the bomb in her dressing room. Somebody masturbated into her bed. Like, yeah. she's been kept in the dark. Yeah. So of course she completely resents him being like, no, no, no we should stay at home and not do anything. Yeah. So they go to this club and uh, eventually she gets up on stage and start and starts singing a song mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool. It's a bit of a Janet Jackson sort of number. Yeah, it's, it's called Queen of the Night, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, One of the minor hits from the soundtrack. Yeah. And then about halfway through the song, well, one person gets up on stage and starts dancing with her and Kevin Costner like, tries to stop it but she sort of puts her hand up to him and says, no, 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 it's okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets on stage they the lift, crowd goes feral. The, the, yeah, the, the crowd the, the crowd gets on stage, lifts her up, starts ripping her costume apart, tearing her clothes off, and just, like, assaulting her. <laughs> Kevin Costner fights his way to her, yeah. grabs her somehow, just keeps punching people in the nose and kicking them in the face, yeah. and just gets her out of there. What sort of audience was this? Yeah, because, this like, you, like you say, it looked very much like a gay club. Yeah. It's clearly a lot of people who are fans of of whatever Whitney is in this. Yeah, the megastar, yeah. And then they all turn in, like, everybody just becomes super violent for no reason. Yeah, because well, just... there, was, there was no provocation for it. Yeah. Like, what... if, if it was like Kevin Costner or another security guard would have made more sense, like, got aggressive towards somebody. Maybe that one guy got up and danced on stage, the yeah. security guard gets aggressive with And then with there's, him. like, a back and forth, yeah. Yeah, like, that could have been provocation that just mm. suddenly turns a crowd into a mob. But this happened for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a common theme in this film. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Because there's that's something, this, this thing that happens to her where the crowd just start tearing her to shreds, mm. that's nothing to do with the ultimate person trying to kill her plot. No. This is just, she's doing a PA in some shitty gay club yeah. and the gays go feral. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what happens. <laughs> like... <laughs> and then, yeah, they had, I mean, it's a very oft-parodied scene. The Simpsons have done it, everyone's done it. Mm-hmm. But the scene when he's just walking out, just like high kick, karate kicking, everyone who gets anywhere near <laughs> It's so funny. Like, can you imagine yeah. being in that club setting and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go to see your favorite singer. It's always Beyonce, it's Madonna, it's mm-hmm. Whitney, whatever. And then next thing you know, the bodyguard is just like kicking you in the face. Like, get away from her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite stupid, yeah. Yeah, I've never been to. I've I've never been. I've been to some. Infu- I've been to some enthusiastic gigs, but I've never been to a gig where we, the audience, started ripping the singer to bits. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Are they there for the gig, or are they there for like other reasons? And she's turned up. 
I don't. It feels like they're because like it feels like it's a gay club, but it feels like they're like fans of hers. Yeah, that feels like the. It's not like she's doing like a sexy dance in front of like men who can't control themselves. You know what mm. I mean? There's that whole thing. You know, it's not like she's a stripper. Mm-hmm. She's a pop star performing her songs. Yeah, and instead of just being like, "Oh, you're fabulous, yay!" They're just like ripping her wig off and going crazy. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, is it the like she's that popular? That everybody wants a piece of her. I think it's a very heavy-handed metaphor for like how celebrity gets torn, celebrities get torn apart by the real people. Yeah, great, but <laughs> it, it doesn't particular. It doesn't read particularly well. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's a famous scene. Yeah, so yeah, great. I, I did like her classic RuPaul's Drag Race costume change. Oh yeah, she walks out. There's a whole scene beforehand where she's in the dressing room and she's wearing a full cowl neck. Like, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a like a cape with a deep hood. Yeah. and I was like. Why is she wearing that? that yeah, it's, like it's such a weird choice. thing to be wearing. And then she gets on stage and she goes, pow! And then she's got like, you know, metal boobs. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a reveal. Yeah. It was a number. Yeah. It was a gaga moment. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, then he carries her out and all the security that, for whatever reason, most of the security, they run out to the front. Mm. I don't know why, because they don't have her. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't really make much sense to me. Maybe they were clearing a route. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kevin Costner, he carries her in his arms, all the way to the fire exit, to the back to the stage exit, mm-hmm. where the limo is out waiting. Sure. And uh, bundles her in the limo, takes her home. All the security are really pissed off. Then he's down in the kitchen, and one of the security guards comes in. He's probably had to like walk home in the rain or something. Fat Tony. Yeah. yeah. And he tries to murder Kevin Costner. Like, a lo- fully. A, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not just like, I'm mad at you, let's fight it out. Yeah. Fully throws knives at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Kevin Costner's just like, you're not going to do that again. Yeah, like like Kevin Costner's good enough. Like He's great at what he does so that he is essentially invincible. Like he can dodge everything, even if he's not looking. Yeah. Um, He can throw a knife like within a centimeter of this guy's head as like a threat, basically. Yeah, Yeah, he's invincible to this guy. Mm -hmm. And I just never understood why the guy was so... Angry. So angry at him. Like, actually wanted to murder him. That's like he throws a knife at him and they're both like bleeding at the end yeah. of the scene. And then like an well, no, hour Kevin later, Costner's then, not been touched. No, well true, he's not been touched, but he's been he's had knives thrown in his direction. Yeah. But by the end of the film, they're like best mates. Yeah. Like they totally get they totally get over this yeah. by the end of the film. I, I I don't get it. Like Kevin Costner, what, showed the security up? Yeah. Had his own security well, plan. Yeah, well, or... Fat Tony, I'm just going to keep calling him Fat Tony. Yeah, yeah. Fat Tony had a little speech earlier on where he's like, look, I do this because I love her. She's mm-hmm. the, the world to me and yeah. I protect her every day of my life. Red herring, red herring, red herring. You, <laughs> you wish to be, okay, so he's the killer. Yeah. But he's not, spoiler alert. But the idea is that he's jealous that Kevin Costner's coming up and he's been working for this woman loyally for like how mm. many years. And this new guy's come in and like taken over and has now proven to be a better bodyguard than he ever was. Mm-hmm. He's got him out of this situation. Yeah. And made Fat Tony walk home. Yeah. But murder? Yeah, no, I agree. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. This movie is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so then I think, you know, I'm not really sure what, what happens exactly next, but... Uh... Well, this is because the... Because he after Kevin Costner saves Whitney from the mm. rabid gaze, yeah. she is very attracted to him. Extremely. That so. is the moment when it all turns. Yeah. And she starts hitting on him hard and they go on the date. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So it starts off with a little scene where she goes jogging and he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to come jogging with you then. Yeah. So much charisma. And then she does a little cute little speech about like, well, you know, I've... If you've got to come everywhere that I've got to go and I'm not allowed to go anywhere without you being there. I can't go on any, any dates with anybody because you'll have to be there and it'd be awkward. So I guess I'll just have to date you. Yeah. And it's a cute little speech and he's like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> he's so undemonstrative. <laughs> like she, he's giving her nothing. It's pure yeah. nooch. Yeah. yeah. I'd have been so annoyed if I was Whitney Houston acting yeah. in this film. It's sad because she doesn't need to do this for him. Like she's no. a megastar. She could have anyone she wants. This bodyguard's treating her like shit. And mm-hmm. she's just like taking her. So yeah, they go on a date and he takes her back to his basement. His 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 own apartment, yeah. Um, oh, this weird, 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 weird pre-sex scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know. Um, he's got all kinds of random shit in there. Oh, they they go and see a, a Kurosawa movie. Yeah. Um, this, this this date is heavy on red flags. Yeah. And she comes back to his house. He's not unpacked anything. Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, you know, it depends how long I live here." Like, what? Well, just unpack. You might live longer. Yeah. Live here longer. But he has a sword on the wall. The samurai, samurai sword. Samurai sword. Yeah. And so she gets it out, and he 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 goes careful because again so much That's the height of his yeah she then sort of wheels it about a little bit to at which point i'm like have you tested how sharp that is put it away because yeah. like you don't know well, they're about to showcase just how sharp this um, sword is so she then points it at him and i'm panicking i'm like oh my god so much could go wrong here you don't point a sword at somebody at very close range no to which he then stands up pressing it against his chest and walks towards her mm which gets more ridiculous as the scene goes on because he then takes this this shawl or handkerchief off her neck like the lightest silk scarf mm-hmm. in the world throws it up in the air it slowly floats down over the sword and just falls into two yeah because that's how sharp that's how the sword sharp is, the sword is yeah. but it's pressed against his chest <laughs> yeah <laughs> well what if it's that sharp that it can cut that in half just like that then that uh, that sword should just glide through his chest yeah. like like butter. It's symbolism, Harry. It's symbolism. Is, is he literally invincible? I think he might be. I think he might be an X-Man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no. This yeah. film is just terrible. Well, you chose it. I know. Don't blame me. <laughs> I don't regret choosing it. I was always going to choose this. Sure. No, fine. Um, and if I wasn't, then you were. Uh, actually, it wasn't on my list, but I, I think it makes perfect sense to do. So, yeah, yeah fine. So yeah, they have this date. They have sex. Fast forward that they they sleep together. They spend the night, mm-hmm. and the next day they wake up and Kevin Costner has second thoughts. Yeah, and he basically dumps her. Yeah, he's like, "Look, I don't want to confuse business with pleasure." Mm-hmm. So although I, I already have now, so uh, <laughs> but never again. So I'm dumping you, mm-hmm. and uh, she takes that about as well as could be expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's some great campy, trashy lines in this part of the film. Mm. Well, I don't get to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna make me beg? Or would it be more believable if it was a more sexy man? Yes, exactly. I just, at no point did I, I was like, Whitney, you could do better. You could do, like, On anybody. your worst day, you could do better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just didn't buy it between them at all. And yeah. it was such a difficult thing to overcome. I agree. I agree. It's a big problem with this movie. They just don't have chemistry. Yeah. What's going on, Frank? I want to keep it straight in my head what job I'm doing. And what is that exactly? Making me feel like shit? No. I'm sorry, this is my fault. Don't apologize, for God's sake. I mean, just tell me what I did. I'm a big girl. You didn't do anything. It was me. I got involved with my client. Your client? I made a mistake. Your client? So you're not attracted to your client anymore? Oh, Christ, I told you why. I, I can't... I can't protect you like this. So that's it for me? That's it? Yeah. Well, I don't believe it! 
Well, you can live with it or you can fire me. But I can't fuck you. So he dumps her, but stays on as her bodyguard. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of very resentful. She has a little son. She has a seven-year-old son Mm -hmm. who is also, obviously, Kevin Costner has to protect. Uh, And so he has a little heart attack with the son. And the Mm -hmm. son says, you're treating my mum like shit. Mm. (laughs) Because apparently the mum is very much into oversharing. And then the sister reveals that Whitney has been nominated for an Oscar as Best Mm -hmm. Actress for this film that we've still not seen. Mm -hmm. But it's called Queen of the Night. Uh, And so she has to jet out to LA to do some fundraisers, some charity Mm -hmm. fundraisers to campaign for her Oscar, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Costner is still bodyguarding her, still guarding her body. Mm -hmm. I don't know what what the the (laughs) verb is for that. But because Whitney's so mad at him for dumping her, she starts hitting on another random bodyguard instead. Yeah. And takes him into her private boudoir Mm -hmm. and almost has sex with him, but then regrets it. Then he tries it on a little bit too heavily and she Mm -hmm. kicks him out. Mm -hmm. Now, spoiler alert for the end of this movie... (laughs) This second bodyguard who she hits on. Yeah. Turns out to be the killer. Yeah. So, and this killer is just an assassin who's been hired by, second spoiler alert, the sister. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. We think? It's quite confusing, but I think the sister hired this guy. It's either this guy or she hired the creepy guy. No, I think creepy guy was just genuinely the crazy fan. Right, okay. Whereas the one who actually is making a serious attempt to kill her. Yeah is the guy the sister hired. Okay. So it's this guy. Why didn't he just kill her in this scene? He's literally got her alone. Yep. Yeah. What was the point of this scene? What was his endgame if not to kill her? Um, maybe he just wanted to get to know her before killing her. Yeah, that's what assassins um, do. Maybe he was attracted to her and thought he could just have a little bit of fun first. But when she turns him down, why, why didn't he just kill her? I don't get it. Maybe it wasn't a good place for him to do it and get away with it sure. as but, opposed to the oscars um on television i'm trying my best here. He's, I'm, he's, I'm trying my best but this film just b- doesn't make his sense. plan b is to shoot her on television on the most watched broadcast yeah. of the year yeah 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 it doesn't make no sense i don't know what to tell you no no i'm not i'm, <laughs> I'm not asking you to answer i'm just questioning the logic of this film mm-hmm. so yeah so they have this weird little moment and then she turns him down and forces him out mm-hmm. and then after that she gets a threatening phone call yeah from some kind of mysterious person with obviously a doctored voice mm-hmm. and for, because of that phone call she decides that actually kevin costner's correct and she needs proper protection mm-hmm. and she agrees to do whatever he will tell her to do and so he tells her to go into the mountains and go hide in a safe house for a while, which is mm-hmm. his dad's house in the mountains. <laughs> it's also ridiculous. Yes. Because always bodyguards just take, just take you to the dads. Just go to my dad's. We'll just hang out at my dad's for a few days. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they went there like without any other security or anything, because now they're just completely exposed. If somebody knows where they are, they're completely exposed. I guess his idea was, oh, we'll go to the middle of nowhere where nobody will be able to find us. Yeah. But, it's not difficult for somebody to find... Somebody does find them. Well, I mean, we find out why. And, and, sure, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Or do we? It's confusing. But <laughs> it, 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 it is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they... So basically, he take he goes to his father's like house in the mountains. Yeah. Snowy, whatever. He takes Whitney, Whitney's sister, and Whitney's son. Mm-hmm. And they spend the next few days bonding. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah it's nice. Um, sure. They've got, they've got a lake there. Yeah. It's a lake house. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, at one point he takes the son out on, on, on the lake, but when he's like, oh God, he can't swim. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come that's back, in, come in, back in, yeah. in some form. 
And it comes back in the most ridiculous way possible. I, this, I, I still don't get it at all. I don't, there's so many things I don't get about it. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, well, let's see. Kevin Costner and his dad, they're out just like uh, tracking like deer or something. Sure, yeah. Um, Doing man stuff. Yeah. And they're not very far away from now. In fact, they're very close to the house. Yeah. And he looks down and he sees some human footprints. Yeah. Which like, could literally belong it, to anyone. And it's like, oh my God, it's human footprints. And he looks up and they lead to like the middle of the of, of, of the woodland. Yeah. So somebody's come from the middle of the woods mm-hmm. and then he, he follows where they're going and they're going to the boathouse, the, the boat the boat area, the yeah. dock. Sure, yeah. There is one person at the dock and it is the boy. Yeah. So like, oh, it's the boy's footprints. I guess they were too big right? for a child. Uh, well, yeah, but like... I. I, I I don't know. It's st- I I still didn't quite get it. So then, it feels like Kevin Costa in, infers a lot from the size of footprints. Yeah. 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 It's like footprints. Clearly, there's a bomb on that boat. <laughs> yeah. So he 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 sprints from where he is all the way down the dock. Everybody else is there. They all come out of the house. Mm-hmm. He sprints all the way down the dock, jumps at the boy, and knocks him into the water. Yes. Off the boat into the water. The boat just carries on out into the middle of the lake. I know he did. I feel like he just made so many jumps here. Yeah, he um, did. So yeah, like now they're all freezing cold. It's ice cold water. Like if you spend too long in this, you die. Sure. Like they probably will both get pneumonia from this. Mm-hmm. But either way, and also the boy can't swim. Yeah. And nobody's wearing like a a, a lifeguard. Uh, uh, Not a, a lifeguard. <laughs> a life jacket. A life jacket. Thank yeah. you. Um, there's no life jackets here. Which no. again, just get a life jacket. Like you're a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Guard these people from the cold water. Well, the boy, did, the boy kind of jumped on the boat over there. Sure, but there were no uh, life jackets earlier either. Okay. Did he need to knock the boy into the water? Could he have just lifted the boy out? That's not as dramatic, Harry. <laughs> could he have just? You need Kevin, you need Kevin Costner in slow motion, could, could he diving have, into the lake. Could he have like, also like shouted at the boy and just been like, "Hey, get get back here"? It's not as dramatic. So yeah, then like they're all telling him off because like you know the, everybody's got pneumonia now. Yeah. And then a boat explodes. A boat just explodes, yeah. So, like, there was a bomb on the boat. He was right all along. How on earth did he make all those jumps? He saw footprints go in there, and, oh, my God, there must be a bomb on that boat. He's a sidekick. We see this multiple times in this film. He just, like, sees... We see it again the ne- in the very next scene. Yeah. Literally, the next... So, that happens. He rescues the, uh, the boy. And then the next scene, he's downstairs in the chalet... And he sees the sister having a bit of a drunken cry with some whiskey. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, clearly she's the killer. <laughs> like, that's the only one explanation. Well, it's like he he already knows at that point. Like, it's, it, it's not even like he's just making that decision. It's like he comes up to her and they just have a conversation about like, oh, why? So why did you do it then? Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, he just, he's like at this moment. It's very nonchalant. Like, he's just like, yeah. So tell me how you did it. Who is it? Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did you do? And the sister drunkenly confesses that she... Very loudly. Very loudly that she puts <laughs> a, a wooden cabin on her own sister because she was jealous of her sister's success. Mm-hmm. But she never wanted to hurt her nephew. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she's ridden with guilt. She never wanted to hurt, hurt her nephew. But she did put a hit out and pay for her own sister to be murdered by an assassin. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Costa's like, well, who who did you hire? Who was? And she's like, I can't remember. I was very stoned. <laughs> Cause you know, you know when you you, you you get you go out one night, you maybe you, you 
have a few drinks, maybe smoke a few mm-hmm. cigarettes, and you, you get a bit too stoned. And you, and you know how you do that sometimes, then you put a hiss out on your own sister. Yeah, yeah we've all been it's there. It's easily done, you know, yeah. you just you get too drunk, you have a bit too much fun, and next thing you know, you put a murder hit out on your own sister. <laughs> it just happens, you know. Yeah. Whoopsie. Yeah. Yeah. So then this guy starts stalking the house. Yes. In fact, sorry, after the bomb goes off on the boat, mm. Kevin Costner's like, wow, that was... That was, that was crazy. I mean, I guess that we should all um, stay here bed. one more night. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, all, go let's all go to bed. And, and we'll, we'll leave uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll come back to this in the morning. Because if he can bomb the boathouse, there's no way he's going to bomb the actual house. Yeah, yeah like, what, what 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 does that mean? Just get in the car, start <laughs> yeah. driving, yeah. Well, I wouldn't get in the car, but okay, like, yeah. just start walking. Just, just yeah. leave, just, yeah. just leave. Just leave, call a cab, yeah. Yeah, but my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they stay the night one more time. Uh, he has a conversation with the sister, but then somebody starts stalking the house. He hears mm. something, and uh, this guy with a gun comes in, shoots the sister. Yeah, she's dead. Because, well, he didn't know who hired him mm. either, so he doesn't know that he just shot his boss, essentially, but it sure. doesn't matter. This really confused me. Go on. This This whole thing. So the assassin doesn't know who hired him. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Mm-hmm. He just knows he was paid to kill Whitney Houston. Yeah. So when he shoots the sister, yeah. AY, is just because she, in, in, she was in the way, in maybe? the way, Fania. But then I, I was like, so, but then if the sister is dead, then the person who paid you to murder Whitney is now dead. Mm-hmm. And you've got your money. You don't need to kill Whitney anymore. But he didn't know, he didn't know that she was the one who paid him. Okay. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was that. She didn't know who she paid. Neither of them know. Neither of them knew. So she just paid a a third party. Okay, fine. Fine, fine. Okay. Yeah. So essentially there's no way of calling the hit off. No, basically. (laughs) How convenient. Yeah. It's all paid for. (laughs) Is it all paid for? And then some. Okay, until it's done. He keeps going until he kills her? Yeah. Yes. What's the name of the bar? I'm not sure. I was very stoned. But anyway, she so her sister's dead, and this guy is in the house stalking about, and uh, somehow was he still in, still outside? Oh, I don't know. He is after he kills the sister. He get he gets he runs away because yeah. the, the gunshot is very loud. So he kills the sister, flees the scene, mm-hmm. and Kevin Costner shoots a little bit at his car, but but that's it. Yeah. And then it's a bit of a time jump, basically. It's like pretty. I feel like it's next week. It's bas- yeah. It, it's like now we're at the Oscars. Yeah, like Whitney. We, is... we, we, we've come back from Alaska. We're in yeah. the Oscars now. What? What happened? Yeah. What, what? What about like her sister dying? Are we not going to get a scene of Whitney finding her dead sister? Whitney has no reaction to the fact that her sister a put a hit out and tried to kill her. Also, Whitney didn't have a problem with her sister. Yeah, Whitney was fine with yeah. her sister. Yeah. Whitney has no reaction whatsoever to her sister, A, trying to kill her, and B, dying. Yeah. Her living sister, who has been, as far as we can tell, is her own best and only friend. Yeah. Obviously not because she wants to kill her, but like from Whitney's perspective, like she, she's like, it's literally the next scene, she's just laughing and joking. Yeah. It's crazy. It, yeah. yeah. I. There's no who, reaction to the sister dying. I, I, who, it's like it never happened. Who wrote this? I don't know. Whitney? Under a pen name? I don't know. <sighs> I did actually look it up. It was uh, written by Lawrence Kasdan, who's written many a Star Wars film. Oh, yes. That was it. Yeah, it was written by the same guy who wrote The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and like The miss. Force Awakens and yeah. I mean, yeah, he's very hit or miss, clearly. Yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, now it's the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And what's happening here? Oh, this Oscars ceremony, as an Oscar watcher, it tickled me pink. It was so funny. <laughs> Whitney arrives at the Oscars and she's all glammed up and she's known as the best actress for this film mm-hmm. that we never see. And, you know, uh, she's in a good mood despite her sister being dead. But then we, we see clips of the ceremony itself. And just to kind of set the scene, we get... Um, and the winners for best sound design are... <laughs> and then this woman wins best sound design with the most enormous boobs. Yep. And I laughed. It was the biggest laugh I got the whole movie. I was like, that's not what a sound designer looks like. And I was like, oh, that's so stupid. And then the movie commented on it, mm-hmm. like, because they had the host go, sound designers don't normally have such big tits or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, this movie's in my head. Yeah. I, this, this movie second guessed me. I don't like that. Like, You've been watching it too long. Yeah, I got really freaked out. <laughs> yes, it was a very ridiculous Oscars, mm. Oscars ceremony. I wish there were more cameos slash any. Well, there was one cameo, which we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the titles of the films as well, it was like, and nominated for best picture, it is uh, Henry Billinger from The Clock on the Wall. It's like the names were just ridiculous. <laughs> it was again like they'd just done a first draft of yeah, coming up with names very for first draft, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was, was no good. The best song nominees are Clock on the Wall from The Dining Room Table by Dana Esley and Sarah Spring. Give Me Your Trust from Out of the Gloom by David Siegel and Barbara G. Gordon. I Have Nothing from Queen of the Night by Nancy Garland. And Reflections of My Heart from Hot and Cold by Leslie Moraes. So, yeah, we've already talked about how she doesn't sing. Somebody else sings in her place. Somebody else sings in her place, yeah. Um, um, she she presents... First thing she does is she presents an award. Oh, yeah. Um, Which she does very badly because Kevin Costner got paranoid and it's made well, her paranoid. Well, yes, because one outcome of her sister's murder is that she is quite paranoid for her own safety now. So she is up on stage reading the auto cue, you know, mm-hmm. as she presents this Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's freaking out and she thinks she sees the killer everywhere. And eventually... Yeah. When the envelope is opened, she panics and runs off stage. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, she then gets really annoyed with herself and with Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. She's like, you drove me crazy. You made me paranoid. And, you know, you're making me make a fool of myself, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But then... Event- and that's where... Oh, sorry. That's when we get the, the actual cameo in which uh, Debbie Reynolds, in a different... Oh, yeah. In, on a different set, <laughs> in a different city, <laughs> maybe two or three years after the rest of the movie was shot, yeah. just says... Told you she was crazy. Yeah. And it cuts straight back. She was clearly nowhere near anyone else in this film. It's the most egregious <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's ridiculous. It was, it was, yeah. yeah. N- not good. No. Um, this film should have been worse. They should have really lent into the, like, it's a celebrity film. They should have absolutely had cameos. Like, yeah. This film would have, been, would have made a really great bad film. You know what the thing is? This film doesn't have a sense of humour. Yeah. It takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. It should have realised how silly it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm okay, I'm fine. <laughs> I always said she was nuts. I'm okay, all right? Yeah, so then it comes to the Oscar for Best Actress. Yes. Which she is expected to win. So mm-hmm. she gets to her seat and Kevin Costner is just on stage right yeah. um, looking out and he's looking at a few people. He asks one of the security guards to go to the other side of the stage just so that they can, you know, keep an eye on things from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he looks to the other other side of the stage. He sees like... There's like three sound engineers or something. There's one camera guy and he's like, none of them need to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be any of them. And the camera guy turns around and it's the hitman. It's it's yeah. the, the other 
It's such a it, random, it, 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 unsatisfying it, it, reveal of who it the really is, isn't it? It's like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. There's no sense of the pre-existing relationship with Whitney. It's just like, oh, okay, fine. It's that guy you slept with at that one time. Like, it's yeah. it's really underwhelming that he's the killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really is. Mm. That would have been a great one for it to be like, it's the sister. She's yeah. still alive. Yeah, that would be the moment for her to be un- unmasked as the villain. The yeah. sister or one of the other bodyguards or Cy, the British yeah. agent. I mean, they were all like clear red herrings, but you know, like mm-hmm. just, it, it just felt super random. Mm-hmm. It had no impact. I yeah. agree, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, then Kevin Costner knows who the killer is, knows where the killer is, and obviously he's panicking. Mm-hmm. Whitney, she wins Best Actress. Yeah. Also, yeah. his whole plot to murder her depended on her winning Best Actress. What if she'd lost? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what if Sally Field won? Yeah. 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 Don't know. Mm-hmm. Kill Sally Field instead? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, we'll probably just shoot her when she's sitting in her seat. But like... I mean, that's harder, but sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so she very, very slowly gets up on stage. Everybody's applauding her as though like this is the award of the, of the century. It's Best Actress. It kind of is, you know. Yeah, but like... It, you don't get a five-minute standing ovation. Well, here's the other thing. This film... I like, mean, right in on... the lead-up to the stage. Like, yeah. you do your speech or whatever. Well, this film never acknowledges this, which, mm. you know, maybe for the best or not. But if this was the real world, if if this character had won this Oscar in 1992, she mm. would genuinely be the first black woman to ever win Best Actress. Oh, yeah? Like that, the first <laughs> actual black woman to win Best Actress was Halle Berry in 2004. Mm-hmm. So... It would be a huge moment in cinema, mm. if, but this film has no, I mean, probably a good thing. This film has no interest in race, but like that's never addressed. The yeah. fact that Whitney is like a black woman who's just won best actress. That's, mm-hmm. that's just not what this film is interested in, which <laughs> I'm not saying is a criticism. That's fine. But yeah, I, I got, if you are following this film's very flimsy internal logic, mm-hmm. you can be like, oh yeah, that will be a big deal. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, she wins. She gets, she gets up on stage, mm-hmm. starts doing a speech. And everything goes slow motion mm-hmm. as Kevin Costner sees that the camera guy, he has taken aim and he is seconds away from firing. So Kevin Costner runs on stage, mm-hmm. leaps in front of her and takes two bullets to the chest. The slow-mo. Yeah. Whitney's face in the slow-mo <laughs> cracked me up. It's such bad acting. <laughs> it's such bad facial acting. Mm-hmm. He takes two bullets to the chest. Um, the editors quickly scramble for adverts. Yeah. Because uh, this is, Can you imagine this if we is were live watching, television. Watching this Oscars. Oh my God, that'd be insane. The excitement, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be madness. It would. Like, yeah. just think of how mad it was when La La Land nearly won. That'd be, yeah, it's that to the power of 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've already seen Whitney run off mid-speech. Like, that, that in itself would be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's now down on the ground. Whitney's like sort of just cradling him a little bit. Um, everyone's like, oh my God, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. Talking to about Kevin Costner. Yeah. They're and they're trying, to, they're trying, trying to get his gun off him. Um, he used to scream, he's my bodyguard. Yeah. He's my bodyguard. It's the title of the movie. He's my bodyguard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but even though like he's been shot twice, he manages to lean over and shoot the assassin three times. Uh-huh. Once through the camera. I did like how he shoots the guy like full of, full in the face yeah and then the guy's head explodes more or less and then you just see a shot of some random woman whose yeah. face is just covered in blood and gore <laughs> I, I don't know why but that tickled me yeah no it, it was felt fun. like a random detail yeah that's that, that that's it basically that's the end of the oscars mm-hmm. um and we assume he's dead and i thought oh that's the movie i remember it being yeah, yeah. and then it cuts to some time later yeah um they're at an airport she's getting on a plane he's there they act as though they haven't seen each other since the Oscars. Mm-hmm. 
They have a very maybe he's fresh out of hospital. That was sure. why I took from it. Sure, great, but like say so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have a bit of a, a bit of a hug and a kiss, as though they've not seen each other in a while. She starts singing, and I will always love you. Yeah, and uh, then they have a bit of an emotional goodbye, for which I didn't understand. What? Why? Why? Well, why the are they f- saying goodbye? What, what? Is this not like the start of your relationship? Surely. No, I feel like they're breaking up. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I feel like he's decided to take another job and she's carrying on her pop star life and they're not going to see each other again. Right. I think after everything they've been through and the fact that they were both clearly, well, one of them was clearly madly in love with the other, mm. they'd stay together. Like, I, I don't think it was ever going to work out. I think they're best okay. to like just leave it where it was. Sure. But like at least show it or tell it or like something. Just It was just weird to like cut to a week later for no reason. They meet for the first time in a week and they set, have a big emotional goodbye. What? Yeah. I don't... It, it didn't make any narrative sense to me. Yeah. This movie doesn't make narrative sense. And she's sense. finally singing the song that I actually chose this film for. Sure. And it goes for about eight bars or something. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then it just goes to the credits. Yeah. Like, I don't even think she sings a, sings a verse. No, she just does that first bit. She, just, she, she does the little, just the little intro and then it just hard cuts to... And, uh, and it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it worked. That soundtrack soared like hotcakes. Well, yeah, I, I, I know. But yeah. ah, the film was, it was a disappointment. It is not a great film. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, It was entertaining though. I didn't hate it. Yeah. yeah it had its moments. Mm-hmm. But it was two and a half hours long. It was far too long. <laughs> a, com- a common complaint with us, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, should we get to drinking games? Go for it, yeah. So first I've got is drink whenever Whitney is extremely turned on. Sure, when Whitney's hot for Costner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hot for Costner. She's hot for Costner. Costner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very good one, yeah. And he's giving her just nothing back. Just nothing. <laughs> it's there's just the chemistry disparity is very telling in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I had drink for red herrings. When oh, yeah. A character doesn't introduce who you're supposed to think could be the killer, maybe, mm-hmm. but it actually isn't. Mm-hmm. I was puzzled, but even at the end, I didn't entirely understand. So. <laughs> So the sister was jealous of Whitney mm-hmm. because she was the better singer and she was the star. Yeah. She hires a random guy to kill Whitney. Mm-hmm. And this guy is the one who's been like sending her bombs and trying mm-hmm. to shoot or whatever. But it was the other guy, the random blonde guy who masturbated in the bed. I think so, yeah. And he was just like immaterial to the plot. He was just... Because you see him yeah. at the end when uh, Kevin Costner is being wheeled into the ambulance. He's just he's just there. He's just like a background mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Okay. So the actual assassin didn't masturbate in Whitney's bed. I don't think so. Why would he do that? That wouldn't make any sense. No. Okay, fine. But yeah, it was quite confusing. It was. There there were multiple people involved. It was very convoluted. There's literally three... There are three people in this movie who are the protagonists, who are the actual, you know... Yeah. Or the antagonists. And none of them are really characters in the movie. (laughs) They're all just like characters who have like two or three (laughs) lines tops. Yeah, that's very true. Even the sister is not particularly fleshed out in this movie. Mm -hmm. You don't get much from her. And one of them is introduced as just the creep he's not a character before that no or after yeah know? that that that's it yeah it, it's, it's a mess yeah <sighs> well whatever um drink for orange juice mm. i'm so glad you noticed this yes <laughs> kevin costa's preferred drink the orange juice what was this about uh, i guess that he Is doesn't this movie he, like he, sponsored by tropicana he doesn't drink on the job no, so i assume he just drinks oranges. It's a weird character choice for Kerry Costner. No. Yeah, like, it's a strong drink. It's not like cranberry juice or something. Yeah. Like, orange juice, that's that's a lot of acid you're drinking. It's, yeah, it's a lot of acid. It's a lot of sugar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he 
He's not, not he's, something you down. He's not drinking a small amount of it. No, he's it's always a lot. And there's there's always no alcohol or a pretty much entire bottle of vodka. Yeah, one of the other. There's no middle ground. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bizarre. He's knocking back pints and pints. He must have the shits for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like water it down at least. Yeah, yeah. Dilute it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, here's a double one for you. Mm-hmm. Drink every time Whitney is a bitch to her sister. Nice. Or every time the sister pulls full I'm the villain face. Because <laughs> they go hand in hand. Like, yeah. Whitney is a bitch to her sister a lot. There's a scene when the sister's talking and she just like starts playing with the food processor or, mm-hmm. she starts, or the juicer, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blocks her out. Uh, there's the scene that really made me laugh when the sisters sat on the porch singing Jesus. I love this one. And then Whitney comes out and just like over. Oh, she, yeah. she just can't, clearly she just can't help herself. She yep. can't help herself. She has to steal the moment. Mm-hmm. But I did love the scene. It's, it's the first scene when like, if you're paying any attention to this film, you're like, well, the sister's the villain. Mm. Uh, when Whitney is out in public and some cute little girl runs up to her and goes, mm-hmm. can I have your autograph? You're my favorite singer. And um, Whitney's like, yes, of course. And she gives the autograph and just the sister to take the photo. And the sister's face... <laughs> The sister's like, I hate you face is mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. Crack me up. Really crack me up. <laughs> so I guess they did some good foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Um, drink for close-ups of hands and stuff like that. Oh, yes. There's a lot of this. Well, you get a lot of the villain without seeing his face when they're trying to convince you it might be someone who's actually a character in this movie. Yeah. You just see him chopping up newspaper cuttings, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I had a drink every time Frank, Kevin Costner, has a psychic moment. Oh, yeah. When he looks Absolutely. at a few footsteps in the snow, I was like, clearly the bomb is trapped underneath the boat. Like, <laughs> it's the only outcome from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, drink for the film title. Yes. The, do you mean when Whitney shouts, he's my bodyguard. He's my bodyguard. Just for the word bodyguard. I'm but body, like, yeah. The, it comes up, yeah. It, it, it comes up an, un, a very unusual amount for, even for a film that stars a bodyguard. That's called they, the bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. They say the bodyguard all the time. Nice. You are right. Yeah. And it gets over the top. So yeah, drink to that. Sure. I'm here for that. Drink every time Kevin Costner is unprofessional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. There is plenty I mean, of he, that. He sleeps with his client, which is nev- <laughs> never a particularly good move. Nope. He is, uh, he constantly oversteps his boundaries. He yep. attacks people. He punches people a lot. He nearly kills another security guard. He mm. also nearly walks into a samurai sword. Yeah. There's a lot. He's not, uh, there's no evidence that he's particularly good at his He job. beats up a random kitchen staff. He does beat some random kitchen like staff. Like almost to death. <laughs> very, so many fireball offenses. There this? was a lot of blood on that wall very quickly. It was, yeah. This one was very bloody as well. Yeah. Like that. But also, um, actually, the scene that really made me laugh was when he's talking to the chauffeur guy, mm-hmm. who I thought was going to play into the plot a bit more. Yeah. Really. He, wasn't he, even he, a, he fell out really quickly. He didn't even work as a red herring. He just was yeah. kind of there and not. But... There's a weird scene where they have a conversation quite early on Mm -hmm. and Kevin Costner says, well, you know, in all my years as a bodyguard, there's one character who always dies first, (laughs) the cocky black guy. (laughs) Like, that that seems racist. (laughs) But then I thought, is this this movie like being meta? Is that that guy now going to be killed? Or to at least like have a near-death experience? But he was just written out. He was just, no, it was just a random racist scene. Yeah. (laughs) It was weird. <laughs> and it's weird for like a film that that's the only mention of any kind of race. Yeah. When, race when, does when, not come into this film at all. Yeah. And, and, and like you say, in this, she is technically the first black woman to win an Oscar. 
and it's never her race is never brought up no. once. Mm-hmm. She doesn't bring it up. Her sister doesn't bring it up. He doesn't yeah. bring it up. It it never comes into play. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, you just by you, you, you got to say that this film is racist because it mentions races uh, men- mentions race once, and it's in a very bad way. Well, it's kind of. I mean, I think it's good. It's pro- it's good that Whitney's character is not defined by her race. Definitely, that's, yeah. That's a good thing. But I agree. I think the the dynamic between the chauffeur and Kevin Costner is a very strange relationship. It is. <laughs> yeah. I think they were going something a bit more like the Die Hard. It's thing. the kind of joke, if you can even call it, even call what Kevin Costner says a joke, like, oh, the cocky <laughs> black guy always dies. That would work if it was a charismatic comedic actor. Yeah. But when it's just Kevin Costner saying that with like no, like nothing, mm-hmm. like just just saying it as it as, as the most neutral line in the world, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, that's a random racist comment to make. Mm-hmm. Henry, I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world, and I found one thing to be true: no matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target, there's one person who always gets hit. Who? Cocky black show. Last drinking game here. Drink for a reference to Reagan. Oh yes, that's gets mentioned all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of references to real people generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one. We have to, I've got two. Drink every time Whitney swears. Mm-hmm. This feels like a very Whitney Houston is swearing. Like, it's, it's always a bit jarring. Like, yeah. you don't want to fuck me, Frank. Mm-hmm. Although, actually, my favorite swear word is when the sister goes, "Why fuck one sister when you could fuck them both?" <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, <laughs> But very, very last one, drink every time Whitney is wearing something on her head. Okay, yeah, sure. She's got a lot of head pieces in this movie. Yeah. Be it crooked wigs mm-hmm. or head scarves or mm-hmm. crowns or... She just always seems to be wearing something on her head. There's a helmet at one point. There's a helmet, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Whitney has many costume changes. Yeah, Some sure. of which are iconic. So. <laughs> very good. That, I'm done, yeah. Cool. Well, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode or you might have enjoyed another episode, who knows? Maybe you did. Hopefully you did. Uh, But if you did, then please consider supporting me and John on Patreon.com where you can support us for as much or as little as you think we're worth. We don't do a tiered system. We do pay as you feel. So, you know, you get everything no matter how much you feel like paying. Mm -hmm. Everything is you get bonus episodes. We do film reviews. We're building up to an Oscars where hopefully no one's going to get shot. We, we we live in hope, yeah. You also get extended episodes mm-hmm. on the main show. And once a month, we do a Patreon episode, which I believe is going to be next week. Yeah. Pick a Patreon at random. They choose the film for us to do on the main show. You can guest if you want to, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's your call. So you get all that. And the main thing that we're most excited about right now, we're doing Patreon call-ins. Yeah. Where if you have a sequel idea for the film that we're doing of the week, then you can record yourself on your phone, send it in, we'll play it at the end of the episode and react to it live so we'll be coming to that after we do our sequels for the bodyguard mm-hmm. but for now thanks for all that patreon.com slash beyond the box set indeed let's see alex uh what do you think of jaws which is at 97 percent run tomatoes i find it to be anti-shark propaganda what do you feel about the entourage movie which is at a meager 33 percent i think they finally got hollywood right how about it follows 97 percent Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. 
Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. Okay. So, do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. I have two this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably both quite short, though, so I'll, I'll do mine and then you can do All right. So, my first one, it's very much based on the title I came up with. I don't really have a huge amount of plot, but the title is The Bodyguard to The Shoddy Guard. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I was just thinking it'd be really fun to have a version of this film where the bodyguard is rather than being bland and boring but professional yeah. where the bodyguard is shit okay like, so I'm thinking maybe it's like well, a where everyone keeps dying yeah I'm thinking it could be like a dark comedy <laughs> where a bodyguard I, I, I'm imagining the same movie but in the style of like scary movie yeah a little bit yeah maybe yeah yeah. or it could be like a Seth Rogen kind of vibe I don't know mm-hmm. but I'm thinking that a bodyguard gets hired to look after a client who's like a famous pop star or something. Yeah. But he's worked a lot previous. He's, he's been in the bodyguarding profession for many years and he's looked after pop stars, actors, politicians, all kinds of famous people. Mm-hmm. And everybody he's been assigned to has ended up dead. Mm-hmm. They all end up getting killed. So he is bad at his job. Actively. Uh, okay. Yeah. But it's, and it's like wearing him down. Like he's got a reputation as the, the world's worst bodyguard. Mm. And you know, he feels <laughs> bad about that. And this film's going to be his redemption. Okay. Who is this? Well, I was thinking it could be fun to have someone like Seth Rogen who like is proud. You'd pr- be proud to think is not going to be very good at their job. Mm-hmm. But you could also have like someone who's like who does look like a. I mean, you you opened this episode strong with your theory that Kevin Costner doesn't doesn't look like a bodyguard. When you think of celebrities who look like bodyguards, what would your first reaction be? Um, oh god, I've forgotten his name now. I mentioned him earlier. The Scottish guy who was in Greenland. Gerard Butler? Ger- yeah, Gerard, okay. Bu- Ger- Gerard Butler's my go-to for, for this sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, so and we know he can be funny. Yeah. So Gerard Butler as a terrible bodyguard. Yeah. Someone who looks the part, but is just incompetent. Yeah, because like, he looks menacing-ish, but he's not super large. He's like, quite large, but yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't cast The Rock, for example. Like, sure, like that, the... that, that, yeah, he, he would be distractingly large. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so it's Gerard Butler... And he's whereas like with the right camera angles, you you could probably make Gerard Butler look like he's just like, you know, uh, five foot eight or something. Stretch, but sure, yeah. I mean, they make Tom Cruise look tall. It's true. It's true. There's a, there's a lot you can <laughs> and do. And he's what, like three foot two or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You can do a lot with camera angles. Yeah. Right? So yeah, he he is our bodyguard, and he's never successfully saved a client, but he gets <laughs> he, he gets attached to this new client who is maybe some you know some beautiful pop singer mm-hmm. probably somebody who can also be funny so maybe like someone like margot robbie who is capable of being comedic you know yeah so i'm thinking that he is assigned to this beautiful famous pop star or something mm-hmm. and he becomes very attached to her and he genuinely falls in love with her and she falls in love with him mm-hmm. so it's a real meet cute and because he's killed all of his previous clients he, he, he determines <laughs> not, not, not killed them personally but he's not successfully saved them yeah he becomes obsessed with he, this one he has to protect fully. Yeah. So maybe he goes like really overboard, even more so than Kevin Costner does at trying to okay. keep her safe. But whatever happens, she's constantly it thrown into near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's all I've got really with that. Like I said, it, it was very much based on the title, The Shoddy Guard. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I like the idea it could be like a dark comedy about people just dying all the time. But maybe she, <laughs> yeah, maybe she manages to stay alive. Are we going to see a montage of like all these past clients? Oh yeah. And they're all celebrity cameos? Yes. 
Yeah, you could have like real world celebrities uh, playing themselves being assassinated. Yeah. With him just like missing the boat every single time. Yeah. In more ever more comedic ways. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he keeps it a secret. Maybe he has to maybe because so many of his clients have died, he's unhirable. Mm-hmm. And so he changes his identity and moves to a new city. <laughs> and like that's his big secret. So the mm-hmm. Margot Robbie character hires him as a bodyguard because mm-hmm. he looks the part and you know, he seems like he's got a good C V. Mm-hmm. And then they both fall in love and it's like midway through the movie, he confesses, look, everyone I've ever bodyguarded for has ended up dead. And then she's obviously freaked out and she's angry for, <laughs> for the lies. Mm-hmm. And he has to win her trust back by saving her life. Nice. Which he successfully does. Okay. By taking down her stalker. Do you think that by saving his li- her life, first of all, he needs to set up like some sort of drama in which he needs to save her from? He could do. He could be the reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to do that. But then also it goes wrong. And not that like she dies, but like, she hurts herself or something. Yeah, or she ends up being kidnapped by someone who's a real criminal. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. Plan, yeah. Yeah, his, his plan basically goes completely wrong like that, and then he has to saw his way out of, like, I'd like actually do the the bodyguarding against basically himself. Yeah. Because of this plan that he's put in motion, that now he needs to stop, and it all works out, and he finally does a good job. Yeah. Well, no, he finally does. A fine job. A fine, like, an acceptable like job. She only loses nine fingers. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah she, she doesn't get out completely <laughs> unscathed, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I think I'd like to see Gerard Butler or someone in that vein just being able to go full slapstick. Mm-hmm. Just really stretch their comedic muscles. Yeah. So that's the shoddy guard. Okay, yeah. My second idea is a little bit more established than that. There's a little bit more to it. And this film, this second idea actually combines two famous franchises in which singers famously play singing actors or acting mm-hmm. singers. And that is A Star is Born, mm-hmm. most recently starring Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this film doubles as a remake of The Bodyguard, but also a sequel to A Star is Born. Okay. So it's a direct sequel to A Star is Born after the events of the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Gaga is still our star. Mm-hmm. She, uh, Ali, I think she was called? Yeah. Yeah. So it picks up after the events of the original, in which, of course, she gets married to... What's his face? Who played the guy? The bro- Brotz's face? Who, who, played, who played the love interest in A Star is Born? Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. So in the original of A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper marries Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. develops alcoholism, mm-hmm. commits suicide. Mm-hmm. But, and she goes on to be a huge pop sensation. Yeah. That's the plot of the film. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert for every version of A Star is Born. <laughs> uh, so we pick up after that. Gaga is still a huge star. Mm-hmm. And she's on a world tour. Mm. And she ha- she gets some death threats from someone random and she has to hire a bodyguard. Okay. So she hires a bodyguard, a new bodyguard, who Played is going to be some, some, someone handsome. Someone new? It could be, like, I, I, again, I was thinking maybe a Hemsworth or a, I mean, a very generic suggestion, but you know, uh, just someone handsome and charismatic who would make sense as a love interest for Lady Gaga. Chris Rock. Chris Rock could work, yeah, yeah. sure. He could be a funny, yeah, a, yeah. a funny bodyguard, that works. Anyway, he's got he's got charisma. Some would say too much. Sure, no, I'm fine with that. Whatever he's got, works. He's got. He's definitely got more than Lady Gaga. He does. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. So those two, whatever. This bodyguard is protect, is sworn to protect her, and initially she's he's just her bodyguard. But much like the original, as the movie progresses, they fall in love, mm-hmm. and an affair ensues, and it's her first real taste of love since Bradley Cooper killed himself. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously very fragile about that. And it's yeah. haunting her. But also, as they fall in love, she warns him that the last man that she fell in love with killed himself. Mm. So she's, you know, she thinks she might be a curse; it might happen again, mm-hmm. whatever. So that's one plot: how she's in love with her new bodyguard. Meanwhile, she's getting all these death threats, right? Yeah. Somebody wants her dead. 
And as the movie goes on, it's going to be like a whodunit on who's trying to kill Gargar and like the bodyguard is going to be saving her all the time from these mm-hmm. like death threats, these near-death experiences. And I'm thinking what you could do is bring back a character, another character or a character from the actual bodyguard movie. Oh, okay. Cause you know, Whitney's dead yeah. and sadly may she rest. And, um, Kevin Cross is boring, so I don't <laughs> care about him. Um, dead to us. Dead to us. Yeah. So I was thinking what you could do is bring back the Gary Kemp character, the agents, the oh, annoying yeah. English agent yeah, yeah. who has now moved on and is now Lady Gaga's agent, okay. Ali's agent. Yep. So that, that's the connection to the original film that he's now Lady Gaga's agent and he keeps booking her for all these crazy events in which she always ends up mm-hmm. nearly getting killed. Mm-hmm. And I think basically I'm thinking he's the, he's the villain. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause he, he was such a red herring in the original. Mm. His whole story in the bodyguard film is that he's so obsessed with Hollywood and celebrity and, you know, PR that he's not actually concerned about Whitney's safety and he mm. doesn't actually take any of it seriously. Yeah. And you see that scene at the end when she gets, when she's almost, she almost gets shot and she's cradling Kevin Costner in her arms and there's blood mm. everywhere. And he just wipes the blood off the mm-hmm. Oscar envelope and just puts it in his pocket. Cause yeah. like, you know, he's clearly only <laughs> obsessed with the Oscars. So it annoyed me that he, that he tried to wipe the blood off the thing. Like it looked good as like a blood splatter, yeah, but then like you'd get more money for it as a, yeah. Yeah. as a memento of that crazed event. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder how much money the um uh the the, La La Land the yeah the, yeah that one that one got I'm sure it was burned ceremoniously <laughs> by the lawyers immediately afterwards. I hope they burnt the right one. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so I'm guess I'm thinking for his backstory is that after that event at the Oscars when there was the shooting at the bodyguard mm-hmm. and the bodyguard got shot, he, as in Gary Kemp the agent, mm-hmm. tried to make a movie out of Rachel's story. But it never got off the ground. Like he, yeah. he tried to make that event into the movie that we know as The Bodyguard. But in mm-hmm. this movie's reality, it never happened. Mm-hmm. But his hunger for Oscar glory and fame and fortune is not a base. He's still very much driven by fame. Mm. Yeah. And so in the course of this movie, um, as Lady Gaga and her new bodyguard are investigating who's sending the death threats, mm-hmm. they realize that it is, in fact, her agent, this guy. But also when they unmask, when they unmask him as the villain... It turn, we do a flashback and it sounds like he was also the, the secondary villain in the actual bodyguard movie. <laughs> yeah, great. Because in that scene where Whitney's sis- sister says, I don't remember, I was too stoned. <laughs> turns out he got her so stoned. <laughs> yeah. He got her stoned and talked her into hiring an assassin for his own for her own sister. Yeah. Because he wanted to make it to put a hit out on Rachel and make her, her the most famous tragic icon of all time. Mm-hmm. And as her manager, he could then write a tell-all book. He could make mm-hmm. a movie. He could sell the movie rights. He could do it all. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, he's basically an evil agent. And so once all that died down and, you know, Whitney survived and it didn't mm-hmm. really work out for him, he got fired because mm-hmm. she realized he was not a particularly good agent. Mm-hmm. And now so he, moves, he moves on to Gaga. He's moved on to Gaga. And exactly. has done the So what did he do to, to uh, Bradley Cooper then? Well, same thing. He's trying to organize a situation he's trying to engineer a situation where lady gaga this huge star gets killed gets murdered on mm-hmm. set and then he can be like he can sell all the rights to the story for for mm-hmm. it uh so once again all the near-death experiences are happening and lady gaga is constantly being threatened by someone random mm-hmm. she also gets nominated for an oscar mm-hmm. and the bodyguard is like this is the moment this is when they're gonna go for you i know i know the yeah. story goes yeah and all the plans are that when she wins the Oscar, when she gives the speech, she'll be assassinated. But fortunately for her, she loses to a quirky English lady with big teeth. <laughs> Great. Yeah. 
Um, Anybody particular? Or? Well, I was thinking Olivia Coleman, obviously. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, because when Lady Gaga was nominated against Olivia Coleman and Olivia sure. Coleman won. Yeah. I don't remember who Olivia Coleman beat. I just remember that she won. She beat Glenn Close, more famously Glenn Close, because I never thought Glenn Close <laughs> was going to win, but Glenn Close and Lady Gaga. It, they they cool. were the top three that year. Cool, cool. Yeah, so basically that's the plot. It's like Lady Gaga goes, goes to all these events and is almost getting killed, mm-hmm. uh, having these near-death experiences. I feel like the bodyguard is going to suspect that Lady Gaga might be doing it herself, like engineering the things herself. Mm-hmm, so that yeah. that could be a red herring where you think, well, is she is is she doing it all for publicity? Is she making is she faking these assassination attempts? Mm-hmm. And that maybe drives a wedge between their relationship because okay. he doesn't entirely trust her, and she's offended that he doesn't trust her. But then at the end, it gets revealed that it was the agent the whole time. Yeah, and then he gets unmasked somehow. They f- figure out that he's the one who's been trying to kill her, and um, the agent is arrested and he admits everything. And uh, the bodyguard and Lady Gaga fall fall in love properly and end on a big kiss. And nice. Lady Gaga sings I Will Always Love You mixed with Poker Face. I don't know. <laughs> Something. She sings a hit. Yeah. <laughs> You're Friends not good love. at writing music, are you? No, that, that fell apart. But <laughs> the basic premise is sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got it. No, that's good. Cool, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so that was um, The Bodyguard to A Star Is Born again. Nice. <laughs> Star is born again. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it sound like it's a born again Christian. I was going to say, not, not as a Christian, just, you know. <laughs> okay, so mine, um, the title is not, it's not, it's not, it's not the best. Mm-hmm. It's called The Daytime Bodyguard. The Daytime Bodyguard. Okay, yeah. interesting. So shortly after the original, Kevin Costner becomes an international superhero after saving the life of Rachel Maron on live TV during the Oscars. Sure. Um, yeah. Was Kevin Costner in a Superman movie? Uh, yes, he was uh, Henry Cavill's dad. Oh, okay. But that's not where this is going. No. Sorry, when you said Kevin Costner becomes a superhero, I was like, Oh, no, no, no. It just feels like it tracks, but no. Okay. No, no, no. It's just, it's just like that happened on live television. Oh, so he's a national hero. Okay, yeah. I get it. Fine. Sure. I mean, I said international because, like, the Oscars, it's an international. No, no, sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to, like, dispute that. So, okay, yeah. I get it now. So I just, I just heard Superman in my head. But, yeah, just okay. like. Everyone loves him. He's all all, yeah. o- all over the news, all over the tabloids, because like, oh my God, this man just... Saved just, our celebrity. Yeah. yeah, just saved our celebrity on live television. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, He quickly becomes a, a celebrity in his own right, mm-hmm. and uh, him and Whitney become the biggest power couple in the world. Interesting. Okay, in, so in, in this, they stay together. Like a Brad and Angelina style. Yeah, called okay. Rachel. Rachel, nice, okay. Rolls of the tongue. Frank and Rachel. Yeah, I get it, yeah. yeah. It was either that or Rachank. Rachank doesn't work as well. No. No, it's no good. So anyway, MTV, they quickly sign a TV show deal called Keeping Up With The Farmers. Oh dear God. So is this like years later? Or? <laughs> Shortly after. Okay. You know, while he's still like, you know, very present in the news. They're like, okay, he's, everything's working out for him. MTV, I've got, got him a TV show. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So Keeping Up With The Farmers, obviously Keeping Up With The Kardashians, but I it's, get it, it's, yeah. it's, it's the ripoff. But it's got a bit more of him in it. It uh, very quickly turns into a sitcom. Mm-hmm. With a laugh track and everything. We'd need one to tell you when Kevin Costner's being funny. <laughs> sure. Where it just sort of, it takes inspiration from the start of the film where she just wants a social life, but uh, he's very paranoid about every single little thing. Okay, so he's, he's the, the overprotective bodyguard slash boyfriend. Yes. And cool. so they make a bit of a sitcom out of it. It totally works. Great. Especially when the son starts doing pranks. Oh, Okay. You know, just like throwing a firecrack around a corner and then just, you know, watching Kevin Costner. So is the like, son a few years older now and he's a bit more pranky? Yeah, I'd say okay, so. Sure. He's an early teenager. Sure, yeah. 
early teenager without many friends, so he's desperate for attention, so pranking his parents is the best thing to do. Makes sense, yeah. Um, it all adds up, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, every, every every time he does that, Frank has to, you know, just like jump in front of Whitney um, as, 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 as those <laughs> It's as those his instinct, yeah, he can't yeah. help himself. Yeah, yeah. Sure. every time, so it's just, it's a great prank. Yeah. So the TV show, it goes very well, and uh, he actually gets himself... Not quite a spin-off, but he gets signed to another TV show. Oh gosh, okay. So rising star. It's really kicking off for him. He's mm-hmm. becoming quite the celebrity. He's got so much charisma. How could he not? Mm. So this one, um, it's called Frank Farmer's Top Gear. Okay. And it's basically Top Gear. I mean, I I, I connected that dot. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but in this one, um, all the vehicles are extremely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're everything from normal cars to bulletproof limos to tanks. It's like this is what a, this is what a bodyguard thinks of when they think of a vehicle. Oh, I see. So it's very like uber macho. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So he tests all the vehicles out. He speeds them around an obstacle course, rating them on their speed. Maybe he, he's he's got a co-host who was the uh, the limo driver from the start. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Do you mean yeah the, the chauffeur driver? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Bring him back. Sure. Yeah, because like he he did a handbrake turn or two in in, yeah. in, in the film. So, yeah. Yeah, and he, ra- he rates all the vehicles on their speed, maneuverability, but most importantly, their luxury for the celebrity mm-hmm. and their subtlety. See how well they blend in. Okay. And instead of the Stig, while he races, he gets pursued by his anonymous driver called the Stork. The Stork? What, as in a stalker or as in a big bird? Stork, as, in, as in stalker. Okay, not as a in... giant bird that delivers babies. No. no. Okay. It's just a, just a man in a car, but it's like, okay. you know, in a hypothetical situation, he's driving somebody who's being stalked. I see. How, how well can this vehicle that he's reviewing right. okay, I see. perform? Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Also, every episode, he has a celebrity guest. Sure. Um, as they do on Top Gear. He gets some decent names. They're pretty much all Oscar nominees who are like hoping to be the next big thing mm-hmm. so obviously the oscars is coming up that's going to be a right big event this year sure okay because last year somebody was shot <laughs> okay so everybody's expecting like you know you're going to need the best security so everybody wants him so mm-hmm. he gets some great guests on his show also this show is absolutely not above having a mysterious shooter in the audience <laughs> which is actually just one of the producers uh-huh. who makes frank jump in front of the guest Oh, nice. Okay, so... Oh, actually, you know, maybe it's the sun again. Maybe maybe, maybe the sun's just got so onto set. So all these celebrities are guesting on the show <laughs> yeah. and they're all being rescued from some kind of near-death experience by Frank. Yeah, maybe that's, little, maybe that's a little segment, segment the they show. do. Okay, yeah. yeah. I like that. That's very funny. Yeah, so after their show being on the air for a couple of years, um, unfortunately, uh, Rachel passes away. Oh, no. Um, of uh, natural causes. Okay. But it's just basically a way that Whitney Houston's just not going to be in this film very much. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, maybe it, may, maybe a cameo in some clever way initially but maybe she just goes on tour like a world tour well anyway so i'm just building up to how he gets a third tv show okay sure so you know the uh the keeping up with the farmers that's gone yeah, okay maybe the top gear one maybe that sort of died out yeah it, call, it causes frank to go just a little bit crazy he it changes his personality makes him way more impulsive frustrated dangerous like he's lost his wife like it's it's a stressful time sure and after punching a producer, Top Gear gets cancelled. Makes sense. Um, but luckily for Frank, he gets picked up by Amazon Prime for a new show. Uh, this one is a chat show. Oh dear. Because Kevin Costner seems very, like, <laughs> chatty. He seems, he's definitely someone you want talking to the stars. It's a chat show, but it's like the Jeremy Kyle show. Okay. So it's more of an aggressive, judgmental show. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So people come on, they explain their problems to him. 
and uh, he gives them like risk assessments of their lives. Oh, okay. So it's like Frank's risk assessment. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. So like every episode, he surprises guests by revealing that their stalker or whoever is in the studio now. Right, and he brings okay. them out so they can confront okay. each other. So and, it's always very t- very tense. And, uh, yeah. And every now and then there's a fight, okay. uh, which you know, he'll, he'll have to break up. He's contracted for twice an episode to get very paranoid um, about something for no reason whatsoever. Might be mm-hmm. like, oh, I think there's a bomb in the couch or something yeah. like that. And, so you uh, can never really relax as an audience member because he could literally yeah. jump on you at any time. And like most of the time, the producers have set up some pyrotechnics to go off. So like, sure. you know, trying to recreate that Oscars moment mm-hmm. of like somebody gets shot or, or something explodes. So the or... most traumatic moment of his life has now become a comedic bit, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love it. But hey, it works for him. It, yeah. it gives him a career. And yeah, he's even contracted to jump in front of his guests as they get as they get shot. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say in quotes with like a paintball or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Like they're not actually getting shot, shot. But he's got to jump in front of them and stop it from happening. Pretend that he's like this bulletproof vest that he's wearing has just saved his guest's life. And oh my god, the drama. Yes. But uh, maybe after a while, he decides that like you know what, actually, that particular guest, they're an absolute dickhead. I'm not going to jump in front of them. I, I don't. Yeah, they don't deserve me. Yeah. yeah, and so they get shot dead. Okay, not oh, well, full dead, not just like, like oh no, the fake, fake, fake dead. Get, but, oh, but, they get but, a shot paintball. Yeah, okay. but like they've got to go along with it. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so it, it beco- okay, so it becomes like a high stakes version of the Graham Norton show, <laughs> kind of. It's a chat show, mm-hmm. but if the guest is boring, the guest will be shot by a paintball and thrown off the show. Yeah, sure. So the, the guest needs to be entertaining at all times, or they're going to get shot by a sniper in the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's very stressful for them. I like that. Yeah, that's a, I, that's a chat show I would watch. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's it, basically. I think that's, that's a good... That's, that's he finds his calling, yeah, as, as a high-risk chat show host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I would love to see the Graham Norton show where if the guests were in any way boring, they just <laughs> get a paintball to the chest and they get, like, kicked off the show. That's <laughs> very entertaining. Yeah, that would be good. Cool. Very good. What was the title for that again? Uh, the Daytime Bodyguard. The Daytime Bodyguard. Let's give the Because he's the Daytime star. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that works, yeah. I mean, it's made of keeping up with the farmers... Frank Farmer's Top Gear, yeah, and the Frank Farmer Show, yeah, or yeah, or, yeah, that could work. The Frank Farmer Show works, yeah. yeah, cool, very good. I like that. I can yeah. see that happening. Thanks. Shall we move on to listener submission? Yeah, sure. Did so, you say you have some paper? Well, should we go to Patreon Corner first? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. What's in Patreon Corner this week, Harry? Very right. So first of all, I've got this one from uh, Dan Green. Mm-hmm. Hi everyone, Dan here. Huge fan of Beyond the Box Set and a big fan of John and Harry. Um, so my suggestion for a sequel for uh, The Bodyguard is as follows. It will be entitled The Body Oddy Oddy Guard. So the son of Kevin Costner, I'm going to call him Cliff, he is now put in charge of working for um, a drag queen artist called Narcississi. Now, Narcississi is a, a real spunky character. She's taking on the world, and she is uh, she's 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 moving into arenas that kind of sit outside regular drag culture. But the problem is, is that she keeps relying on that body oddy oddy. And so, what Cliff has to do is that she, he has to educate her on how not to rely on that body oddy oddy. And uh, that's 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 where I'm at with it at the, at the, at the minute. Um, but I'm I'm personally looking forward to uh, to seeing how this develops. Thank you so very much, and continue the great work, John and Harry. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you, Dan. That was uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, the, the body. So Kevin Costner as a the body oddy oddy guard as a as a, as a bodyguard <laughs> slash like personal styling consultant. Okay. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> so bland. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? That's pretty what it would be. Yeah, if Kevin Costner was a person, like a really styling. bitchy personal styling consultant. But yeah, well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, next up is Louise. Mm-hmm. Hi guys. So my listener submission is as follows. You ready? You ready for this? The booby guard. Okay, so Frank Farmer takes on a new position as Katie Price's bodyguard because her her tits were held at gunpoint in South Africa. So, uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) I don't have anywhere else to go with this. I thought this film was naff. Um, I think Whitney Houston was a beautiful, beautiful woman, and that's about all I've got to say about the bodyguard. Thank you. Loving the show recently. Keep up the good work. Mwah. Thank you, Louise. Very good. Yes. <laughs> so somewhat inspired by RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I guess, yeah. The booby guard. The booby guard, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm on, I'm on board with that. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to be, or else I don't get dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> Anyone? Cool. No. No, okay. Uh, I have some listener submissions as well. Uh, so we have over on Twitter, we have... Uh, at Gidget Von LaRue said, now that he's moved on, as in Kevin Costner, moved on from Whitney Houston, yep. he's got a new job as the bodyguard to someone else, like Lady Gaga on her tour. He's older now, but obviously he still looks great. <laughs> I mean, did he, did he look that great in the first one? No. I, I didn't fancy him at all, but tweets their own. Yeah. It was the haircut. I didn't like his haircut. It, <laughs> it, it upset me. Anyway, at Bloggy Balboa, great Twitter name, Bloggy Balboa, <laughs> said, Fletcher, as in Whitney Houston's son. Yep. Traumatized by the ordeal he faced and estranged from his mother, Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. develops a murderous obsession with famous singers. But one of them has the best bodyguard in town. Ooh. Oh, so Whitney's own son becomes a celebrity stalker. Right, like okay, yeah. Uh, at Civics Pod said, former Secret Service agent turned private security protects a superstar from a stalker. Absolutely love this movie. Oh, I guess that's just a description of the plot. <laughs> a sequel... Kevin Costner's character now protects a single governor and sparks fly. Oh, so it's a politician, I guess. Okay, yeah. So it's Kevin yeah. Costner starts working for a politician who's single, and now he gets drawn into the murky world of politics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, do you pick a politician who can also act? I don't like when politicians try to act. They shouldn't act like real people. No? They're just not. Don't well, try, what, what about actors who try to be politicians? That's fine. Well, I mean, it depends who, but yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want politicians being actors. Okay. Just, just keep it separate. Okay. It separate. Uh, I have a few more on Facebook. What if they picked like Kanye West or something? Is he a politician? Yeah, but in this he could be a politician. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. Just, just, keep, just stick to the music, Kanye. Okay. I've got a few more on Facebook. Uh, Lewis Michael Powell said, The body spray, an, an anthropomorphic kind of... An anthropomorphized kind of axe body spray and its relationship with the bro it's trying to save from social embarrassment. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I guess it's the the touching relationship between a can of, you know, links for men mm-hmm. and the man it's sold to. <laughs> yeah. Churan Furil... Churan Ferrat... Churan Ferratly... Sure. Okay. Said, sure. Gender flip it and have Charlize Theron protecting Ed Sheeran or something. Oh. I like that. I like half of that. I kick well, I don't like Ed Sheeran, <laughs> but I like a kick-ass female bodyguard yeah. protecting a bland, like, white male. 
That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you need to, you need to, you need to make him like a, like something interesting to watch on screen. Yeah, no, yeah, not necessarily Ed Sheeran for me, but I like I like the vibe of it. Yeah. Uh, Lacey Olsen said the security guard. He's out of the big game and now patrolling the mall. Okay. So it's like Kevin Costner's retired from being a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Now he's a mall guard. Right. It's very right, boring. Yeah. Yep. And finally, Joe Herman said, the booty guard. This one has ghosts. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Thank you very much for that. So thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We mm-hmm. ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you so wish. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you think we're worth. you get all the bonus features, including being part of our live call-ins, including access to our bonus episodes, opportunities to be on the show, and many others. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. And next week, Harry, we are finishing off this year's pop star to movie star season. Yep. I put the call out on our Patreon for some suggestions for films we could do. Mm-hmm. And I got a right good one back. Yeah. I'm excited for this. So this is from one of our quieter patrons, uh, a lady called Alice. Mm-hmm. She does not want to guest. She just wants to suggest a film. Mm-hmm. She has suggested that we do a film starring a major pop star called Britney Spears. Okay. And her film, Crossroads. Okay. So next week, we're cool. going to do Crossroads by Britney Spears. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, a I'm true pop star to movie star, which it, the kind of which we haven't really done yet, I think. So. Uh, Whitney. Whitney sort of, sure, yeah. Come on. No, That's... Whitney kind of, yeah. She she is a true... She, like, you, you wouldn't think of her as an actor outside of this film, before or after. She did Waiting to Exhale. I've never heard of that. Fine, okay. Literally never heard of it. Well, we could do that as well, but not next week. Fine. Okay, but anyway, next week, Crossroads. Britney yeah. Spears. Yeah, You'll great. be pleased to know I have checked. It's a 90-minute movie. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so even if it's bad and it's boring short, and I don't yeah. like it, it's short. It's short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. thank the Lord. Right, well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next time. For see you next week for uh, Crossroads. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's very stuck.